Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, good morning. Amen. It's always an honor to be here, and thank you, Pastor Adam and Pastor Liz, for the incredible opportunity to speak here again. How many of you feel the Lord in here this morning? Amen. Always good to be with people that are worshipers, and um, as always, my heart is stirred this morning as I approached this service in prayer. Um, as always, just really asking the Lord to give me something that is pertinent something that is um, relevant and something that is needed in this generation. And so I, I want to minister on something that has somewhat of a, an interesting title, but I think you'll understand it once I get into this. So I, I want to sp- spend some time talking about the disturbance of prayer, the disturbance of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for truth, your truth that, that trumps every lie of the enemy, Lord. And Father, even in a generation that on many levels has lost their way, they are hopeless, many are into doubt and fear and even self-destruction, but we know that you are still working, that your gospel still works in 2022, even in the United States of America. And Lord, I, I pray that this foundational teaching, this foundational message would grip our hearts that none of us would leave the way that we came in here, but that we would be further transformed into your glory, into your image, and, Lord, that we would embrace your purposes, even for Hope Covenant Church in this hour that you have positioned us here in this town of Huntersville. Lord, make us your ambassadors, and, Lord, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome those that are listening by way of live stream and podcast and be encouraged in the Lord this morning. The disturbance of prayer. What does that even mean, Keith? <laughs> I have no clue. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to say that um, I think oftentimes this, this, this subject of prayer is something that many of us have heard about, we've read about, we've talked about. I've taught at a college level on prayer and intercession, and it's, it's one of those, those themes that no matter what you speak on, no matter how the Lord deals with you, you always come back to this theme because it is so intertwined throughout the Word of God, Old and New Testament, and I'm talking about prayer and intercession. However, I, I feel that, that oftentimes um, prayer is kind of relegated to a, a duty that we do because we are Christians or we follow Jesus. And obviously, we should all have a discipline of prayer. In other words, I, I've told students for years that if you don't ever start a prayer life, you'll never have a prayer life. So there needs to be a discipline of prayer that we all embrace, but The danger sometimes is that prayer can become so routine and just so programmed that we kind of put our prayer a day to keep the devil away in, and then we're just, we're free from prayer. 
Well, when I read the Word of God, Old and New Testament, there are levels of prayer that I believe situations demand, and I believe we find ourselves in a cultural dynamic that demands prayer even more than preaching. Now, preaching is important. How can they hear except we preach, and how can we preach except we're sent? I know what the Word of God says, and I'm a preacher of the gospel, but I want to tell you that the older I get and the more I see the condition of the world, it's interesting to me that we have perfected church in America. We've perfected, as, as Pastor Adam said, the production of church. And listen, I have no problem with excellence. I believe we should do everything in excellence unto the Lord. I believe we should be the best of the best. I, I really do. I, I remember Gary and Cindy and I have worked together for years, and you know our motto and our theme was always the anointing always has to be first. However, we give ourselves to the Lord 100%. Every gift he's given us, we're excellent in presentation. I believe in all of that stuff. However, I do believe that we are in a dangerous season where excellence and production has replaced prayer. There was a time in much of the church, even in the United States of America, where we had prayer teams. I, I remember years ago, and I've been preaching now for over 35 years, but I remember years ago, I would come into churches, and there would always be a group, usually ladies, to be honest with you, but usually a group of women that were either in a back room or around the, the altar area, and man, they were just going after God, usually an hour before the service even started they realized that there was something that is only developed through that type of prayer. And I do remember this. I remember coming into those settings, and it was almost like a baseball being put on a tee for me when I came to the pulpit because they had conditioned the atmosphere through Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost prayer, and it had churned the, the ground or the atmosphere up in such a way that literally you walked into the power of their prayer gathering. So, so now we are very attentive to production teams, and we have lost our prayer teams. And I believe that, that the, the hour that we live in demands the, the reviving of prayer in our churches. And again, I know there's people, I mean, I know some of your lives and I know there are people of prayer in this room, but, but I want us to look into a little different level of prayer than maybe some of us live. And, and I speak to myself. It's like every one of us in this room, there are seasons where we feel the urgency of prayer, whether it's maybe a family member that's sick or maybe um, it's a situation to where you're the one that, that God is positioned to speak at a certain setting. So therefore, and you are focused on prayer, but then we kind of wane and we kind of begin to compromise in our prayer lives and just kind of coast. And I believe that we are in a season from where we cannot coast. We're losing generations. We're losing our young people. I've, I've, I've been alarmed, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of statistics, even though I read them a lot, whether it be Pew or Barna or whatever, or even focus on the family statistics. But we're losing generations. Our, our young people are dying like flies to fentanyl and to a lot of, I mean, suicide. We, we're seeing children slaughtered through firearms around the country. I mean, we are in a crazy, demonic time. 
And listen, you can throw all the police at it. You can throw all the, all the policies and all the laws at it from Washington, D.C. or from, from our state capital in Raleigh-Durham. But listen, I'm telling you, the only thing that changes a culture is the power of prayer and the power of the gospel. It, it, it has to be something that, that deals with the heart. I've, I've said you don't take an 18-year-old kid and put him into a school where he literally kills 20 or 19 kids and a couple of, I mean, that's just not normal life. There's something demonic that is destroying this generation. And again, all the social programs, I promise you, will not help it. We have the only resource. We have the only source. And even though it's mocked and made fun of and it's antiquated and it's old-fashioned and it's fuddy-duddy and all this other stuff, friend, I'm telling you, it's the only thing throughout history that has ever worked. So, so now we find ourselves having to ask this question, what are we going to do with this thing called intercession and prayer? All right, so listen, there has to be a level of prayer that disturbs the atmosphere. Again, not a psalm a day and a prayer a day just to keep the devil away. I'm talking about people that know God in prayer. People that are able to to move heaven and hell. People that are able to, to, to bring forth angelic powers and, and the assistance of ministering spirits that the word of God calls angels into our midst. These type of individuals. You see, I believe Hope Covenant Church, every real church in the Charlotte area must embrace her role in this city or region effectively. And her primary foundational role is intercessory prayer. If it, listen, we can have everything else, and it can even be good, but not have prayer, and the good cannot be God. I'm, I'm finishing a book. I've been working fairly hard on it the last couple of weeks, trying to get it to the publisher, but, but I'm dealing with the whole concept of first love, and it's called first love fire. But just going through a, a revelation again, the church of Ephesus, how that she was commended. I mean, you know the scripture passage. I mean... They would not put up with false teaching, false apostles. I mean, to look at them, they were the, the picture of the model perfect church. But then Jesus says this, but I have this against you. So all the, all the, um, all the powerful things and all the, the things that made them sound so perfect before this next verse sounds so great, but this revealed a fracture in Ephesus, and it says, you have left or forsaken your first love. Therefore, Jesus said, repent and do your first works over again. You see, when I look at so much of the modern American church, we become so good at doing church. But where is the power of prayer to change a generation? How is it that we have more ministry outlets now than we've ever had before in the history of the world? And I do a podcast. I, I have a radio show in Southeast Asia every week. I mean, I, I write articles. I write books. I travel and preach. I, I do all kinds of stuff. And there's so many resources. And those can be so good and so powerful. But how is it we've got more mechanisms to push forth the gospel, but our nation continues to free fall into hell this morning? And there is darkness that is choking out 
entire generations. I'm telling you, it's because we have forsaken this place of prayer. I'm going to read some scripture to you in just a minute, but listen to me. The intercessory role of the church is our foundation. It is not a, another part of the building, right? It, it's not the shingles. It's not the dry. All those things are important. It's what goes into the ground. It's, it's the, the most important part of who we are. The most important part of any structure is what is done before the structure is even seen. It's the foundation of who we are. It's our stability. It's our identity. It's our calling. It's our mission. When we lose it, then we've lost our ability to effectively be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. We've lost our prophetic ability. You know, Billy Graham was known as the pastor to presidents. Why is that? Because Billy Graham lived a life that the Lord saw and literally put him in the face of the most powerful men in the world year after year after year after year. There was a, a prophetic mantle that, that, that rested upon him. And I believe he was faithful to speak truth even to these great leaders without compromising the gospel. Now the church has become so much like the world. And we've lost so much power through prayer and holiness that now the world looks at us and we're no different than they are. Where is the ability for the prophet or the pastor or the apostle to go into the face of Joe Biden or whoever else is in leadership around the world and speak what thus saith the Lord? That is our goal. That is our role. That is our mission in every generation. The church is not just another part of culture. The Bible said, Jesus said, we are salt and light. He said, now you are the light of the world. This is our mandate. This is our calling. When we lose this identity, then we cease to really be the church. Jesus becomes our mascot only, but he's not the Lord of our lives. And he's not the, the fuel of our mission here on the earth. There is something about understanding our role. Listen to Romans chapter 8. This narrative, this part of Scripture stands out to me very powerfully. And every time I read it, it, it disturbs me in a good way. This is disturbing prayer. Romans 8, verse 26, we'll start here. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. He said, in the same way, the Spirit helps us. What? The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what is Paul saying? I can't dissect this for long because we'd be here for way too long. But listen, Paul is saying this, in our own strength, we are weak in prayer. Even the most dedicated, noble person, pious person, they might, be, they might spend three hours a day in prayer. But Paul said, listen, there is a weakness that we must understand in our flesh. Therefore, there is a different level of prayer that he's about to unveil to the church at Rome. He said, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Why? We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What is Paul showing us here? Friend, there 
is a place of divine union with Jesus in prayer. Where literally we don't even know what to pray at times. But the spirit of God comes over us. And the old King James that I learned to quote many years ago, it says with groanings that cannot even be uttered. The NIV says with wordless groans. Friend, this place of prayer is, is a place where the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll use this terminology because it's right, possesses a human vessel and begins to pray through that human vessel the eternal purposes of the Father for a situation, for a nation, for a season of history. Study the history of great revivals, and you will find connected to those great revivals vessels of prayer that were so united with the Lord himself that oftentimes through tears and agony, they prayed forth the purposes of God into existence, into their generation. This place of disturbing prayer where it literally changes the atmosphere. I, I remember when I first started preaching and would go to some of these churches and even my, my in-laws, Darla's parents, they would have these all-night prayer meetings like on Friday nights and they would start praying like at maybe 8 or 9 o'clock at night and they'd pray till 7 or 8 the next morning. That's radical in this generation. But these people were serious about prayer and they would what they call pray through to the Holy Ghost. That's what they called it. Some of these old terminologies are foreign to us today. But, but they literally would labor in prayer and the Lord would come upon them and they would sometimes weep and sometimes groan, just like Romans 8. They were disturbing the atmosphere. And then there were times when these folks would, would, would break out into to laughter, Adam. Why? Because they knew they had prayed through and that heaven had responded. And then the results of their prayer was seen maybe days or weeks later. Praying people. I remember years ago, I was getting a team ready to take to India, my third visit to India. And I had about 30 students from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry coming with me, and I was leading the team. So every week, we would fast a couple of days and pray, like I think Tuesdays and Fridays in the prayer chapel. Gary remembers the prayer chapel on the BRSM campus there. So I would gather the students in there, and I would direct them, and we would just labor for the Lord oftentimes and ask God to, to give us his heart for this trip to India. There was one afternoon when there was a little girl from South Korea who was one of our students, and she came under this, this, this great burden. I've maybe shared this before, but, but this goes so in line with disturbing prayer. And she came under this great burden, and she literally went onto the ground and got into a fetal position. And she began to cry out, kudi, kudi, kudi. I mean, it was piercing. At first, I was like, man, this might be out of order. But then I realized there was something supernatural on this little Korean girl. It, it was a couple of weeks later, we went to India. We were there for like nine days, 10 days. And the last day of the trip, our leader, Yesu Padam, who some of you know, Yesu Padam took us to this last place of ministry. And we drove as far as we could drive. Then we crossed the river literally on foot. Our pants were wet and stuff. And then literally began to ascend a mountain and walk for another half hour or so. And when we got to the top of the mountain, there was a very small Hindu village. And Yesu Padam said, this is the village of Kudi. Wow. 
And we walked into that village, and we were told by Yesu Potom this was the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ had ever been preached in this Hindu village. And it was in that little village that multiple people came to Jesus. And I know they planted a church in that little village from a, a pastor they had raised up from their ministry there in Vishakapatnam. But you see, the Lord knew about Kudi. The little girl had no idea what Kudi meant, but groanings that, that, that came on her, that came forth as the heart of the Lord was revealed in that little prayer meeting. You see, friend, there, there's a realm of prayer that is very foreign to, to what I would say most of the church in America. Now, I, I've been in meetings and prayer meetings overseas oftentimes where we are dealing with such demonic onslaught and whether it be in India or Africa where there have been times we've shut down the meetings for two or three days and we've called the leaders and and those that are with us to fasting and prayer in order to to break the stronghold of the enemy because there were such oppressing demonic spirits fighting what God was wanting to do and through prayer we would see the answer and the remedy reminds me of 2 Corinthians 10, 4, where it says the weapons that we fight with, they are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the tearing or the pulling down of strong. What am I talking about, friend? Prayer that accomplishes the purposes of God. Prayer that, that, that executes the plan of God in a generation. And listen, the sad part is we know it, we know it, we know it. But who's going to do it? And here's what I know. It seems like in every generation, there's always someone or some group of people that are willing to be called fanatical and weird. But they, they, they see the darkness encroaching upon their city or maybe their nation or their community. They, 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 they're grieved that the name of Jesus is being blasphemed in their generation. And there's something that, that begins to, to swell up inside of their being. And there's something that, that connects with the Spirit of God. And they are no longer their own. They, they, they realize that their destiny on the earth is to be a person of intercession. There are people like Daniel Nash and Abel Clary, who were the intercessors for Charles Finney's ministry in the 1800s during the Second Great Awakening that, that, that touched the nation of America as much of our nation came under the convicting power of God. And there was deep, deep repentance, especially in upstate New York area. But Abel Clary and Daniel Nash were men that gave themselves to hours and hours and hours of prayer. And as a result, we see the powerful ministry of Charles Finney. See, there, there, there's always someone, and I, I believe maybe even in this room, maybe listening by way of media this day, that, that someone is, is feeling the burden of God's heart, that there is something that's beginning to stir you. Never forget when I went to the Hebrides Islands, and I was at a little stone foundation, and they told me this is where two ladies with the last name Smith lived back in the 1940s. One was, they were sisters, one was legally blind, the other one was bent over with arthritis. But they, they had seen God move on the island of Lewis where, this, where I was at. 
and they knew the history of revival, and there was something that, that came upon them. They were hungry to see the glory of God touch the island of Lewis again. And these two ladies who were up in years and handicapped physically, so to speak, they dug into prayer deeply. And for days and days and days, they cried out to God to send revival to the Hebrides. And at some point, the Lord, the Lord moved on their prayers. And we know the history of the Hebridean revival. I was actually blessed to sit with a couple. He was 97. She was 94. This was five years ago. And they were in the Hebrides revival. And they told me of the history of this great move of God. How that after... The meetings sometimes, Adam, that they would literally go behind the church at 2 and 3 in the morning and the young people did not want to go home because the glory of God was so rich. They would go behind the church. And this might sound crazy to some of you, but there were nights they had like 12-foot men, angels. The Bible said, beware that you entertain strangers. Some have entertained angels and they didn't even know they were there. These angels would manifest and would literally walk with these young people in the fields behind the church worshiping God. There was such a powerful move of God that the island bent its knee to Jesus. Men would be out in the field working without even a preacher in sight. And the power of God would come over them. And they would go to their knees in conviction and repentance. Why? Because somebody disturbed the atmosphere in prayer. Friend, we need some Smith sisters. Doesn't matter what your age is. Doesn't matter what your physical limitations might be God's simply looking for a heart that's available this morning now listen to me I'm going to close if you'll come Adam this is not the, the place that makes you famous in ministry this is not the type of ministry that's going to grow your mailing list but this is this is the place of ministry where we touch the heart of God and he uses us to change a generation. Now we're losing our nation. Let's just be honest. We're losing our nation. We're losing our young people. We're losing nations. Listen, I've preached all throughout Western Europe, Eastern Europe. Western Europe is as postmodern and nihilistic and dark as it can be. America's becoming the same way. Our northern neighbors even worse, but we're catching up quickly, the Canadians. Friend, the only hope is for a revival of prayer that will disturb the atmosphere and the generation that we live in, that, that God would awaken firebrands in the prayer closet and that we would become one with Jesus to the point, as Paul said, New Testament, Romans 8, that the Holy Spirit would begin to pray through us. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. There's an invitation this morning. It's not to join a church. It's not to just have the name Christian. There's always a deeper call in every generation. The Bible said that, that deep calls out to deep. There, there's, there's a deep calling. This is, this is, I know it's foreign to a lot of modern churchgoers in America, but friend, this is the foundation of every great move of God that we've ever seen. That somebody somewhere tapped into the Holy Spirit through disturbing prayer. And they saw a generation changed for the glory of God. I want you to bow your heads right now. I believe the Lord would say, who is willing to stand in the gap? 
One of the most disturbing verses in the entirety of Scripture to me is Ezekiel 22.30 where the prophet said, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. How disturbing is that, that, that Israel was in such sin, such rebellion, such idolatry that there was not one prayer warrior found throughout the entirety of the land. And I believe the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth. What is he looking for? He's not, we've got enough fancy, polished preachers. They're a dime a dozen to me. And I love preaching. But, but listen, God's not looking for more polished, professional preaching. He's not looking for another production. No, he's looking for hearts that are humble and hungry for him. And desirous of his honor in this generation. And if you're that person, he'll simply say, Come. And he'll give you a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I feel to do, Pastor Adam. As we close this morning, I, I want to encourage you to find a place to pray right now. Maybe that's up front. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe standing. Maybe laying. Maybe kneeling. Whatever it might be. But, but allow the Lord to do a sovereign work in your heart. May we never be the same again in Jesus' name. And may the breath of eternity consume us. For the glory of Jesus Christ in the United States of America and beyond. In Jesus' name. Father, now fresh fire fall upon your people. Fresh glory in Hope Covenant Church, Lord. Father, awaken intercessors, radical intercessors in this place. That will lay their hands on the horns of the altar and they will refuse to let go. Until your glory is revealed in this generation. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.